you ever wondered about the wild activities that go on at a bar? Well, that wondering ends right now. Welcome to the Open Bar Talk Podcast, where host Jim Search sits down with bartenders near and far to hear the whopping tales that only a drink slinger has. So buckle in, have a cold one, and enjoy it. All right, folks, here it is. We're doing this. Uh, we stay doing this uh, because we're making dreams happen, and it is episode 16 of the Open Bar Talk podcast. Uh, this is a podcast where uh, me, Jim Search, uh, sits down with uh, bartenders near and wide uh, and talk about their stories of the crazy shit they've seen from behind the bar and whatever else comes with that. Um, if you want to find this show, uh, you can do that. Um, go to Open Bar po- or go to Open Bar Talk at Gmail dot com to email us open bar talk on instagram is another place to uh follow so go ahead and follow uh us there um if you're following us there uh you know you'll not only see when uh, these episodes drop but you'll also on the here and there uh get to uh read one of the crazy stories from when uh, your good friend jim was out in these streets running around like a crazy person so do all of those things um you know if you want to find this uh, podcast, in terms of platform-wise, I'll tell you how to do that. Uh, you can go to iTunes, you can go to Stitcher, you can go to iHeartRadio. Uh, these are all the good places to go. Uh, you know, if you go to iTunes, uh, make sure you rate, review, subscribe. Uh, you know, appreciate that. Stitcher, uh, you know, if you don't fuck with iTunes, uh, that is the way to do it. And of course, uh, me, Jim Search, uh, JimSearchComedy.com, and all social media, I'm at Jim Search. Now that I've gotten all the housekeeping shit out of the way, we can get to introducing uh, our guest for this week. And I'm very excited to uh, have uh, this uh, friend of mine on the show. Uh, I've known this dude for a very long time, and uh, you know he actually uh, listened to some episodes, reached out, and I was like, well, that is a no-brainer. Uh, he has cer- certainly uh, applied me with alcohol at some point in my life. So I figured it'd be great to uh, have him on, and he's uh, also a very talented magician on top of not only being a bar slinger, so he can perform the trick of making you drink. Uh, that being said, Andy Still in the house. Andy, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Good. I'm just have... sitting on my mama's front porch. There you go. Where? Uh, where you? Oh, I should also uh, I should also point out, uh, not that this is going away anytime soon, but uh, we are recording right now in the middle of a uh, pandemic. That's right. We yeah. have a worldwide disease uh, that has befallen uh, the country, which is why Andy uh, is a normal, uh, you know, New York City being uh, where you would, I would say, uh, put down some roots of sorts. But you yeah, are back I've home. been there for almost 10 years, but I am down home now. Yes, and home is, uh, tell everybody I was, where you're coming in from. Uh, just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee, in a little town called Rossville, Georgia. Rossville, Georgia. Um, yeah. Well, and we are, and that is, I guess, the silver lining of this here uh, world we live in, is that uh, we can make this wonderful, glorious podcast, amongst so many other things, remotely. That's right. We can just record this. You can be anywhere in the world, and we can make this happen. So, yeah, we are very it's, excited. Uh, it's been an interesting time to be down here right now. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I mean, certainly a, a wild time is uh, happening here in New York in terms of the unpredictability of the world that we're in. Um, and, you know, especially even like, you know, I mean, we're talking about bars, but, you know, even from the uh, hospitality industry, I mean, everything, everything top down uh, has been impacted. And, you know, certainly a lot of, uh, you know, my friends uh, who are bartenders are out of work because, you know, it's only uh, you can only do so many to go drinks. Um, and as a bar, you can't necessarily support uh, your entire staff. So. You know, yeah. Uh, make sure that uh, you know if you find any GoFundMe's for your local bar, be sure to chip in a couple bucks. Uh, you know they've taken care of you for a very long time, so it's important you take care of them right now. So it's very important that you should do that because we all need to stick together. Uh, so anywho, uh, you're uh, hanging out down in GA, uh, yeah. Some time on the porch, um, and gonna uh, we're gonna talk some shit about the uh, world of bartending here, sir. Yeah, man. Uh, so, uh, that all being said, uh, Mr. Still, uh, we would love to know, uh, how did you get into the world of bartending? So I had been working as an usher at the Spider-Man musical on the Broadway. And, uh, I had quit that job to be an associate producer for an improv troupe. Okay. And while doing that, I also had to fulfill some bartending duties occasionally. So that was like my dip in the toe in the water. And then that job closed. Like they went out of business and they'd been around for a long time. It was called uh, Chicago city limits. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I was working for them for a while and I had like quit. Spider-Man. And then I was like, no job in New York. And, uh, my friend Adam that I had met working at the Spider-Man show reached mm-hmm. out to my now friend and boss Mendeley mm-hmm. and was like, Hey, I know you're looking for somebody. This guy would be good. And so then I've bartended at that theater for the last seven years. Nice. Interesting. So, you know, the, uh, not what you know, who you know, sort of deal. Um, so what were, so with that being said, what was like some of like your first, like first, first experiences and memories from behind the bar? Like, you know, the first couple months, what, what was so, it like for you? The first couple months for me were, I was working what was called the shot stand. Okay where we made basically like Long Island iced tea in a pitcher and then poured it into shot tubes because this was back when Forza Bruto was there. Mm, mm -hmm. And it was a show where people would want to just do tube shots. So like I sold that and beer on ice and like had a little cash pouch. Like I didn't even have a drawer. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like working out of this little pouch and making sure everything balanced out. And so, like, I was the extra little stand for, like, the first while. But, you know, it paid all right, hourly. And I was like, okay, this is something. And then they shut the show down. And we're going to take three months to, like, reinvigorate the show. And it ended up taking six months. So they renovated the bar. And you remember the old bar versus the new bar. I do. I do. Yeah. So 
that was a huge shift. And like, that's when I actually started bartending instead of selling tube shots and bottles of beer. So you made a, made, I guess the transition from, uh, lower scale. I don't want to say lower scale, but like in terms of intensity, it seems like, uh, yeah, no, I, I was just slinging stuff that Mendeley had already made. Got it. And then you, instead moved, of making things myself. And then you moved into that. Yeah. Uh, right on. Uh, and so, then go ahead. long after that, I, uh, got a job at a short lived restaurant in Astoria, Queens. Mm. As, for a, 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 as a bartender, like the head bartender. Okay, so um, I was going to ask, um, was this in a bartending capacity? Yeah. Right on. Yeah. So that that place was crazy. Well, we will we will most assuredly get into that, Mister Still, uh, in terms of the level of insanity. Um, so we got a so we got the uh, origin story right of the beginnings of your bartending world. Um, so now tell us a little bit about how you got into, or not how you got into, but, uh, like the moments like that just stick out in your memory of the bartender and just the wild experiences that happened from behind the stick. Um, well, there was a pride night because like, it's really a different kind of bartending when you're bartending at a theater Mm -hmm. because like, it's not like you have a constant stream of customers. It's you've got everybody for 45 minutes and then an hour of just sitting around doing nothing. Right. And then waiting for them to come back down. Um, but there was one night that we had a pride event that lasted from, 11 o'clock at night to 3.30 in the morning. Oh, wow. In Okay. In the theater where they would do, like, a segment of the show and then 30 minutes of dance music. And it was just all of these, like, older gay gentlemen. And, like, everyone was really nice and polite, but, like, it was, like, my first time really just, like, being slammed for six hours straight and i was like holy shit i don't know how normal bartenders do this right right how like how do you fucking because you i mean as as you said you were normally 45 minutes of uh being slammed and then there was a break but this was six hours of not yeah it it was uh it was a lot Mm. okay Okay. Um, plus we like had some instances that went on in bathrooms and such. Okay. Um, I can, I won't elaborate further, but you know, I can, I can pick up, uh, and as I'm sure listeners can as well, uh, pick up where, uh, what you mean exactly by that yeah. uh, of said instances. Fair and enough. plus the place isn't built to hold that many people for that long. So right. it got to like 85 degrees in there and we were all just like burning up and dead tired. But I mean, compared to a lot of bartender stories, I don't think that that's much. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, a six hour shift, uh, you know, as you, as you know, I think, uh, from working in the bar in Queens, you know, it's normal. Yeah, it's pretty normal. Yeah, like, well, eight to ten, right? If you're doing like all the, if you're doing like a full scale cleanup of the bar, right? Yeah. And shutting everything down. Um, so that was like, uh, so that was like your first, um, uh, what do I want to say? Uh, like your first, I guess, real taste of what it was like to be a full scale bartender. Yeah. Now, uh, with that being said, um, you know, in terms of the life of a bartender, um, you know, what are some of the crazy shit? What is some of the crazy shit you've seen from behind the bar, man? See, most of my bar experiences don't come from behind the bar they come from sitting at it mm-hmm. at bars that like you have turned me on to such as walters right um but also being chummy with the bartender and like almost being like an accessory to the place instead of just a customer if that makes any sense um yeah like you hung out at the bar <laughs> is that is that my like I'm I'm close enough friends with the bartender that like I'm a little bit of an extension of the bar and like I'm not allowed to come behind the bar or anything but like if someone's misbehaving they'll talk to me like there was one time that a guy was really drunk and insisting that he was going to drive home and the bartender had me do a magic trick for him and while I did the magic trick for him I picked his pocket and stole his car keys and gave them to the bartender. Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, so, so it was like, I was their little handyman on the other side. So you're, uh, I guess bar adjacent. Yeah. Got it. Um, there was another night that a guy, uh, grabbed a female friend of mine's behind a few times and she blew up at him about it. And his response was to charge towards her while unbuckling his belt and about to unzip his pants. And so I just picked up a bar stool and hit him with it. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So <laughs> like, like pushed him back, not like over the head or anything. I was just like, nope, not like out of the movie. Yeah, no, I, I just pushed him away with the bottom of a bar stool until he went outside. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Now, so, all right. Those are nefarious places, though. Yeah, I was going to say, this doesn't quite sound like uh, Applebee's or a uh, TJ Friday's by uh, any stretch. No, it's it's definitely more of a Chili's vibe. Yeah, yeah, that's more... That's, that's... <laughs> It's more of a Pizzeria Uno uh, sort of uh, run here. All right. So, yeah. So, like, why don't you, like, you know, bring us into the world from behind the bar, right? Like, what is – give us something from your time and experience behind the stick of some shit you saw where you're like, I cannot believe this person is doing this. Or, wow, that those two really do love each other. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of the angle <laughs> we want here. Yeah. Um, so, like, bartending at a theater is a bit different than, like, your normal kind of bartending. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because we have like spurts of when we're busy and then just like a lot of downtime while the show's going on. Right. But at, at my particular theater, we stayed open afterwards because the show was very much of like a club type environment. Mm-hmm. And we just as like a loss leader kind of thing did two for one drinks after. And I know you've been by and gotten the staff rate because we also like stayed open for all of the cast and crew to be able to come down and get a cheap for drink or a, a drink for cheap rather. Um, and uh, so, yeah, like it was, it was very strange when, something would happen because of the little amount of time we had with people. But when it would, it was always just really bizarre. Like one time, uh, we had like our bar back guy was restocking and he set a case of PBR Mm -hmm. on top of the bar. Okay. And then he turned around and it wasn't there. And we kept wondering what the hell happened. The entire case. we went back. Yeah. Yeah. Like 24 cans of PBR. And so we went back and we looked at the security camera and like some guy who was just there and drunk decided it would be a great (laughs) idea to just lay his jacket on top of it and then pull his jacket down and carry it out under his jacket. Oh my God. And my boss, who is also a friend of yours, uh, made me and him like he went with me, but he made me give the police report. Like he made me go to the police station at two o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. to file a report for a stolen can of PBR just because we That's would have the paperwork to say that we did so. And meanwhile, I'm sitting there talking to the cops and he's texting me pig emojis trying to make <laughs> me laugh while talking to the cops. <laughs> <laughs> that that is actually really funny. Uh, yeah, it so was, it was great. So now, and I mean, we've we've had people like vomit on the bar and stuff like that. It's whatever. Well, well those me, those stories aren't interesting. Well, let me walk back to the uh, P, the great PBR heist of uh, <laughs> the early. Uh, I think it, I think it was like 2014. Okay, the great PBR heist of 2014. Um, so now when you, so like you watch the tape, right. And saw the guy do it. When you saw the tape, did you remember him being there? Yeah. Um, he was actually friends of a cast member of the show. Oh, okay. So he had gotten tickets through her and we were able to trace it back. And like got into a big old fight with her being like, Hey, tell this friend that they need to pay for that case of PVR. And it, it, it became a whole ordeal. And my former boss, like still just like won't forgive her for that guy being there and doing that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, you kind of, uh, in these sorts of situations, I feel like, um, you kind of have to um, absorb, like, because you brought this person in, so you are kind of by proxy responsible for their behavior, even though it's not, but at the same time you are because it's like, look, you know, there's an, a certain level of agreement we need to have if you're going to bring somebody to an event like that. You know what I mean? 
And especially if they're stealing booze. Yeah. You know, you, you kind of need, uh, to have some sort of, uh, accountability. So after, all right. So you watch the tape. We figure out who it is. You go to the cops. What do the cops yeah. have to say when you were explaining the situation? They were as annoyed as I was. Okay. Because, like, I was being made to do it. And mm-hmm. they were being made to listen when, in, in all realness, it's a case of beer. It's not the end of the world. Right. Especially when the theater that you work at is named after a billionaire. Right. Okay. But it, it was the principle of the matter and also just like my boss covering all of the bases that needed to be covered to say like, yeah, this was stolen. We went to the cops. We filed a police report. Here it is. Right. Well, I would think at least from that sort of perspective, you know what I mean? Where it's like the cops, um, or not the cops, but your boss, if there is no police report, then has to go to his boss and be like, oh yeah, there's a case of beer and someone just stole it. And then his boss says, okay, where's the police report? And if he's like, I don't have one, he's going to be like, oh, so your friend stole a case of beer? And it was, it was just a ridiculous scenario of us just sitting there being like, yeah, we know. (laughs) This, this is a very fucking silly experience that we all have to live through. Yeah. So now you've, I mean, I'm assuming, um, in this, I feel like, you know, uh, post, I mean, maybe, hey, look, you've worked there long enough that, you know, it's safe to say, uh, this could have both happened, but like, were people who showed up to that theater wasted before the show? And you had to, uh, like, fa- fairly often, yeah. Um, there was one lady that I remember vividly, only because she showed up with an older gentleman. And it was obviously some kind of arrangement or date. Mm-hmm. But whatever happened, they got into something during the show. Oh, and shit. he left her and he left her there. <laughs> mid mid show, like intermission, it was like, alright, I'm out. This show didn't have an intermission, but she was there after and he was gone. Oh, okay, got it. Got it. And then we kind of lost track of her for a little while. And then something started smelling like smoke. And she had snuck into the janitor's closet, (laughs) sat down on the floor and taken a piss and was sitting in a puddle of it (laughs) while smoking a cigarette. Yo! (laughs) And our house manager discovered this and just had the most sincere what the fuck reaction that you could possibly have and he just came to us he was like i need a shot and i need to know how to handle this (laughs) holy shit man so she's so again completely you know like what we could assume sugar daddy sugar baby arrangement of sort yeah, we don't but, know what it was, but she was but, crying. But it was an arrangement. Like, this wasn't, like, uh, just, again, now we are totally judging off of I, visuals. I have no idea. Okay. Well, 
What- I just know the aftermath because I didn't see, like, I've only heard about them walking in together. I didn't see any of that, but I did like witness this secondhand through it happening and me turning my head around the corner and being like, Oh my God. That, and she was wasted, presumably. Oh, oh, hammered. Right. Cause yeah, you know, and so how did, how did this end? Right. Like what was the, uh, we called her a cab. I think I, that part, I don't remember because I went back to working behind the bar while just giggling my face off at what the house manager was having to deal with. Mm, okay. Like I, I remember very little of seeing anything, so I don't want to like embellish or anything. I just know that like, from what I heard, she showed up with this older guy, they got into a fight and he left. And then she got drunk and pissed in the janitor's closet <laughs> and sat down in it and decided to smoke a cigarette. Like you do. Well, as, as any, as any reasonable person would do after a situation like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how do you really uh, decompress? How do you unwind? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. So it sounds like, uh, you know, despite this being a theater bar, um, there are these instances of fucking chaos and entropy oh, yeah. that, that exist even before the show, right? Or midway through the show. Yeah. Now, uh, um, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, I was, I mean, if you have more, like, obviously that's, that's what we're here for is we are here to hear this. No, I mean, there was just like one other instance of a dude peeing in a hallway. Okay. That's it. Yeah. Um, and our, our house manager lost it on him and just like started cursing him up and down, left and right. It was a beautiful Beautiful alliteration of curse words. Now, okay, so again, you know, having to uh, pull the uh, questions here of said situation. So were you, you were there when this happened, right? I only could hear him screaming from upstairs and was wondering what was happening. Got it. And then he told me I walked in on a dude that had found his way into the back hallway where the water cooler is for all of the performers. And he was just peeing in the corner. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) So, got it. Yeah. Um, So now, what are, you know, do you have any uh, sort of stories of after the show from behind the bar? Because, you know, we're assuming people have drank before the show, gotten a little loose, the booze has settled in, and they're feeling the effects post-show. So, it was a different show. Uh, it was, uh, one man sort of magic show, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, where there was a part of the show where there was a journal that was kept for the show that he would invite someone from the audience to volunteer to take the journal home with them and be kicked out of the show before it was over. And imagine and write down how they imagine the show ends. Okay. And, uh, there was one guy that volunteered to do it. And then when he came down while the show was still going on, because he didn't know how it ended, um, he was sitting there panicking. And then his girlfriend came downstairs 
and was like, we had dinner plans for tomorrow and now you're going to be coming back to this show, blah, 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 blah. We're done. And threw a drink in his face and Holy they, shit. Broke, they broke up and that's all in that book somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, here's, all right. So there's now, now as we uh, further unpack this situation, let's, let's review. So at the show, uh, you know, performer says, okay, you know, here's, here's a journal, go home and then you write down what you think happens and then you come back the next night. Right. That's yeah. And they, and they have to get up and like read it out loud at the beginning of the show at the beginning of the show for the next night. Right. Got it. Okay. So then he then goes downstairs she comes down and then says, you know, like we had plans for tomorrow night and now here we are coming back and then we're breaking up. So throws drink in his face and then walks out. Now, yeah, here's the thing, right? And, and then he showed up the next day and I was just like, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> well, what else has he got to do? Uh, his lady left him, right? Like that's, uh, pretty much, uh, he's got, he's got some free time now. Um, but yeah. I guess my, my thing, I, I guess sort of the, um, analysis of the situation, right, is she was, she was trying to break up with him anyway. And this was just a nice way of doing that. Does oh that, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, they were definitely doomed from the start. Yeah, because I mean, you know, if you have that sort of, uh, if, if you're her and you're like, you know what, fuck it, we're done, and then throws a drink at him, clearly we know what, what, what the vibe is there. Now, after she throws, and so you were behind the bar when this happened, right? Yeah. Okay. So she throws a drink at him. What is his then reaction to all of this and your conversation with him after? Because I don't think that you just have a drink thrown at you and then you just, well, that's my night, and then walk out. Oh, no, he tried to follow her out. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he probably tried to work things out, but, like, he got up pretty quick and was just like, wait, wait, wait. And then I saw him the next day and was like, how you doing? He's like, I'm all right. And... And they were still, they were still, uh, uh, she was not with him when he showed up the next day. So we can, one can only assume that that is, that is the end of that relationship. Yeah. Well, that is, uh, so these, these things happen. Yeah. And then after that show closed, I actually got a job, uh, bartending at a restaurant in Astoria, Queens. Right it on. was like walk, walking distance from my apartment and it was heaven. Like I loved that job, but it was run by idiots. Um, and there was one night that I had a lady come in and I could tell that she might've had a couple. I just didn't realize how many. Right. And she ordered a glass of Prosecco. Uh, she drank half of it and then fell asleep on the <laughs> glass. Oh shit. Until it like shattered out from under her. 
Holy fuck, man. What size? So was it like a... It was a normal champagne flute. No, okay. I was going to ask you like what the dimensions of the glass were. So champagne yeah. flute falls asleep on it, shatters it. Holy yeah. shit, man. And then she got up and didn't have a card to pay her tab. And so we just uh tried to like get her out because, I mean, she was gone. Yeah. And I was just like, listen, she drank half a glass of champagne. Like, this is not my doing. Sure. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah. So as, uh, our chef actually escorted her out, um, she turned around, yelled at him and called him the N word. Okay. And then immediately fell off the sidewalk in between two parked cars, like onto the street. <laughs> and, he, and he just stood there and laughed. It was like, that's what you get for calling me that bitch. <laughs> Which, it was amazing. Uh, yeah. And I would say that is, that is very fitting justice. Uh, yeah. to befall said woman for her, for her fuckery. Yeah. Now, she, what, she was a terrible person. Were there other people in the bar when this was happening? There were three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what were? It, w- did you get any gauge of what their their reaction was to any of this? Oh, their jaws were just hanging open. One was a server that had just gotten off, and he was having a martini. Mm-hmm. And then there was a couple that lived like in the apartment building right above us because it was like right around when we were about to close. Okay. And, you know, nice seeming lady comes in and asks for a glass of Prosecco. I don't think much of it. Sure. Right. And, and then three sips in the bubbles hit her head and she's just like, Oh, this lady's been drinking all day. Right. And that's, and so my, the two customers that were there at the end were just like, Holy shit. Yeah. I'm so sorry that you had to deal with that. And I'm like, ah, it's fine. This is, this is part of the business. This is, that's what we do. This is how, this is how we do the, this is how we do things here. Uh, now (laughs) here's, so I'm assuming after, uh, uh, she falls in the middle of the street, uh, case closed of sort, like chef comes back in, she disappears into the night. Like she wasn't a regular, I guess. We locked the doors and no, she never came back. Okay. Um, cause that would be, I guess that would really make for an interesting, uh, experience, uh, if this was a regular of that bar in Astoria where, no. uh, uh, she would have to come back and live down what happened. Um, so yeah, that, uh, that sounds like a very, uh, uh, tumult filled, uh, uh, event at the short lived experience in Astoria. What was, yeah. what was, so you get, so you get a job there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what were, how different, I mean, cause yeah, you know, we talked about the experience of bartending at a theater, but like what sort of, uh, uh, experiences did you see that was different from the theater vibe? Oh my God. It made me miss the theater so much only because like there were two owners and they're both really nice dudes and I don't want to like seem like I'm talking shit about them. Right. But, but they just 
didn't know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Like one of them came up with all of these amazing recipes and like some of the best food I've ever had. Problem was that like it took time and you can't have that in a restaurant. It took time like, to, to make you mean? Yeah. Like, like sometimes a dish would take like 30, 35 minutes yeah, you, just to cook. That's too long. after someone's ordered it. And yeah, you just can't have that. And, um, so then in November, I, I was like running the bar six nights a week and we had like another bartender who would fill in for brunch shifts and the other night. Um, and, uh, I fell and broke my ribs. Oh, geez. Uh, back in November of 2018. And, uh, I couldn't work for a long time. And they couldn't find another good bartender. And because I wasn't there to like help them communicate with each other because they were just getting angrier and angrier at each other. And I was able to kind of diffuse the situation sometimes. Right. Um, and this was also like right when my dad died and everything. And it, it was just like a big clusterfuck. Um, so one of them ended up just like pulling all the money out and the place looked like it was going out of business. Oh shit. And, uh, so the other guy just left and left it shut down. And then the guy who pulled the money out all of a sudden, now that the other guy was gone and he didn't have anyone that he had to fight with, he just decided to keep it open and like change the menu and make it just like finger food kind of stuff, which did not work. Now you were, you were even though so you were still tried. you were still working for that. Like, were, were you at the bar? Yeah. Like you yeah. Came back? So okay, like, I got it. So like a, a couple months after I broke my ribs, I finally felt okay enough to like to return to the bar. to return to like whatever the hell this guy was trying to do, only because I didn't have any other option at the moment. Right. And there was no show at my theater, so I was just like, eh, okay, this. Mm, okay. Um, and I mean, he was, there was one night that, uh, a friend of mine came in because we were running ridiculously cheap, like drink specials just to try to like get rid of all of the stuff that the guy who had left had like stocked up on. Right. So we were, so we were doing like $3 cans of beer and $4 shots. Shit, man. For New York City, yeah. that is a very, that's a really great price point. Yeah. So, uh, my friend Danny came in who lives in a story. You may have met Danny at Revival. Okay. Um, and the owner started like chatting him up and annoying him. And because drinks were so cheap, Danny had already had quite a few and he just like blew up. It was like, don't fucking talk to me. I don't want to hear anything about your Yelp elite bullshit. Blah, blah. Wait, <laughs> just like, Danny said this to, or the owner said that to Danny. No, Dan- Danny said this to the owner. He was like, leave me alone. I'm just trying to sit here and have a drink while my friend is working. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> it was one of the funniest moments of my life. That's really funny. 
what did uh what what did the owner what did the owner at the time do uh he had me comp half of his tab and then he disappeared downstairs like to his little office area because he felt so bad because he really thought he was just trying to engage the one customer that we had but instead he was annoying the shit out of the one customer that we had <laughs> Well, I mean, it, from what you've described, at least, of uh, said bar, uh, that these guys uh, did not quite know how to read a room as we think they would. So no. It, it, no, wouldn't, that, it wouldn't come that, as that a shock. Was one of their, uh, that was one of their biggest issues. That It wouldn't come as a shock that, like, in terms of communication, that this guy was like, wait a minute, this person doesn't want to talk to me at all. But yet here I, here I am continuing down this road. Yeah, just yeah. blabbering on. That is that is fucking funny, man. So, all right. Well, you know, thank you, Andy, for uh, bringing uh, a little uh, light into the to the world to the world of the theater bar. Um, you yeah, know, I will say this is the first uh, first theater bar that we've talked about. So it was good to uh, uh, get that perspective, and also, yeah, it's um, a strange world. It, it sounds it. I mean, you know, there, there's some similarities and differences in, uh, the episodes that I've done here, right? But, uh, uh, I hope, uh, whoever stole that, uh, that those, that case of beer really, uh, made, made sure it was worth it. Yeah, they paid for it. Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay. So they inevitably, uh, had to come out of pocket for it. That's good. How much was it? Like 30 bucks. 30 bucks, man. I mean, was that worth the, uh, Worth the effort, I guess. Uh, only he can tell you, because uh, yeah. we can't we can't speak to that. So, <laughs> all right then, sir. Uh, we are going to move on to our uh, our next segment, which is uh, questions for a bartender. Uh, this, all right. This is part of the show where I ask you, as a bartender, uh, five questions, and you are going to answer them. And in those answers, we will see a little bit more about you as a bartender. So, first question. What is a misconception people have about being a bartender? That the money's always good. Mm, right on. So, you know, the idea that, uh, again, that, you know, it is a flush with cash and that every night is a, is a, is a win. Right. Yeah. Mm. Cause some nights are just really, really terrible. Right. Right. And some nights are great, but mm. it kind of balances out and, it ain't all that great. Like, you gotta love doing it. Which, uh, you know, brings to our next question, which is, uh, what is the biggest tip you've ever received as a bartender? I will tell you exactly what it was. It was $83 at the theater. $83? Um, was this on one drink? Yeah. Oh, wow. It was on one drink that was $17, and the guy, like, had a license plate on the car with his driver out front that just said fortune five on it. Mm, so okay. I know he was like insanely rich. And so I charged him $17 for a gray goose on the rocks with a twist of lemon. And he told me to keep the rest. And I was like, no, sir, I can't do that. That's too much. And he said, no, I can do that. I do it. Every drink I buy, just take it. Wow, shit. So that's that that's the biggest tip I ever got. Yeah, and you know, it's funny uh with such clarity. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that that I'll that, never I'll never forget that day. 
Yeah, that uh nor as I wouldn't believe I couldn't imagine you would. Um so on to our next question. Uh what is uh your pet peeve of a customer? What is that one the, thing? The word um interesting. Just because I know that I'm in for a terrible interaction. As soon as I hear someone say the word um, I know that it's just not going to go well. Inter- wow. Okay. That is a very scorched earth uh, policy when it comes to language there. Yeah. Now, is yeah. it... Like, I, I just know that they're going to be like, um, well, I I want something that, like, I, I can't really taste the alcohol, but I want it to be strong and um, maybe mm. just, like, really fruity and, um, like, it, it's it's a bunch of Karens. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and they do certainly like to uh, steal time. So, yeah. uh, next question. If you owned a bar, what would you name it? Hmm. Ruffled Feathers. Ruffled Feathers. Interesting. Yeah. That is a, uh, that's a good name. I like that. That's a very interesting name. It does kind of bring a image to the brain. Ruffled feathers. Because I would serve my dad's recipe of chicken tenders at the bar, and you can't cook a chicken without ruffling some feathers. (laughs) This is this is true. This is uh, that is a way that is a way of going about that. So, uh, next question: Um, What is your favorite drink to have? Whiskey ginger. Whiskey ginger. I'm simple. You know what? We like what we like. And I can't, uh, I can't knock you for that. Now, yeah. alright, so those are our five questions for our guest, okay? We are going to get into our final segment of the show, which is, what were you drinking? Now, this is the part of the show where I dig into my Facebook timeline and I find some of the messier posts that uh that I've come across and we can only assume that they have been drinking and you sir as a bartender who have seen people get drunk over time can speak to exactly what it is that they were drinking I'm right? so excited so here is the post it's going to be the best day ever now the best day ever is in all caps that is important okay so it's going to be the best day ever when you're sitting exactly where you tried to send me, y'all are some twisted individuals, and y'all need to be locked up for it. Smiley face. All right, I have a question, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. No, there's definitely some... Uh, uh, what time was this posted? This was... If it shows it. Yes, there is a timestamp. Um, this was posted at 12.30 a.m. Little after midnight. Sangria. Sangria. Okay. Yeah. There's a... Yeah, that, that sounds like a drunk white woman who had a bunch of sangria in her fridge and just started pouring it after the kids went to bed. Interesting. And there might be some custody uh, issues afoot. Uh, yeah. As we are aware that there are people being trying to send to jail. Um, all right. 
Well, you know, uh, very insightful look, insightful perspective, Andy. Uh, for that, we appreciate that. Um, and, you know, that is going to do it uh, for our show. Uh, you know, and I want to thank you again, sir, for coming on and uh, chatting it up with Thanks us. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely, my friend. Uh, so if you want to find this show, uh, you can go to openbartalk at gmail.com. Email us, openbartalk uh, on Instagram is a good place to get a hold of us, uh, you know, uh, if you want to uh, just DM and do whatever the fuck they do on Instagram, that's a place for it. Um, if you also follow that uh, that account, uh, I post an occasional story or two from uh, my crazy days in the bar. Uh, they're pretty fun. You should read them. Now, the show, if you want to find the show, uh, platform-wise, I'll tell you again, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, these are places uh, to find us. Spotify as well. Uh, you know, we're across, across the different platforms. Uh, you know, rate, review, subscribe, uh, you know, that definitely does boost up the visibility of the show, and we definitely want that to happen. Um, what else am I, oh yes, um, you know, go back and listen to the old episodes. Uh, you know, there's some really great, uh, content back there, and, uh, they're definitely fun to, uh, get into. Um, if you want to find me, uh, I'm at Jim Search on all social media, uh, jimsearchcomedy.com. It's another good place to find me. And so that'll do it for us. Uh, once again, Andy still appreciate you. Oh, Andy, uh, what do you want to, uh, uh, what do you want to plug before you get out of here, buddy? My butt. I knew you were going to go for that. There you go. Yeah, I had to. Yeah. No, uh, also keep your eyes peeled for, uh, my children's book for adults. It's about an orange faced murder hornet named Gary, uh, and his travels to Washington. With lessons along the way. With life lessons that are along the way. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I think you can see where this is going, but it's going to be fun. Be a fun read, a fun dive. Yeah. Um, Gary, the, Gary the Asshole Murder Hornet. Gary be on the, the lookout. There, there it is. Um, available on all platforms. Uh, so... All right, then, uh, we are going to get out of here. Make sure you put a water between each drink, and we will catch you on the next one. Peace.